to show some pictures because a lot of times in the Bible we we see the the temple is mentioned quite a few times in the Old Testament and New Testament. And I think sometimes it's hard to get a picture of things if you haven't seen what it really looks like. So in uh, in kind of the message tonight, I wanted to show some different pictures and uh, but Mark chapter thirteen. This is a parallel passage to Mark or to Matthew twenty four. Uh, this says this, Mark 13, 1, and as he, this is talking about Jesus, as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answered and said unto him, seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? And Jesus answering them began to say, take heed lest any man deceive you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Lord, I pray that you would help me tonight to Lord be uh, to preach, to teach, Lord, uh, as we look into your word, as we look into these pictures, Lord, I pray that you would bring uh, your word to life. Lord, help us to see uh, and to imagine that we were there, Lord, but help us to learn from you and help us to grow uh, and, and grow in grace and knowledge and closer to you. Lord, we thank you uh, for what you've done, and Lord, we thank you for everything you're going to do tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. So, like I said, the temple is mentioned multiple times in the Gospels, uh, and, you know, through uh, looking through this passage, I wanted to uh, look at some of the pictures, look at some of what the Bible talks about to get us to help uh, kind of visualize what's going on. Uh, but the first temple was built by Solomon. So if you remember, uh, and this is in 1 Kings chapter 6, remember King David wanted to build the temple. He wanted to build it. In fact, he even was going to get ready to start doing it, and God stopped him. And he said, no, uh, your son, Solomon, so who would be king next, would be the one that would build the temple. So that's what the first temple, a lot of times you hear it called Solomon's Temple. So you see kind of a picture here uh, of this court area and the, uh, you know, the brazen labor there, the altar, and then kind of cut uh, into the inside. You can see inside of there, and that's where the priest would go, the high priest uh, but Solomon's temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, uh, in 586 B.C. So Solomon built it in all its beauty and glory and filled with gold, uh, cedar, uh, you know, the different things of cedar and, and gold everywhere. I mean, just priceless. Uh, and then it was totally destroyed. Uh, so after that, uh, so there was no temple for quite a long time. Uh, and then... And then on this one, we see uh, Herod the Great. So this is the Herod that's alive during Jesus' birth. Uh, he decides he is going to be to rebuild the temple. And this might be hard to see, but right here, this square right there is the original wall. So that was the original Solomon's temple was in that spot. And Herod built everything bigger. So he built palaces. He built aqueducts. He built all sorts of things. He decided he's going to expand it more than double its size to 40 acres. So if you go all the way around, that is that is 40 acres of space there. That's just the platform. That's just what it sat on 
Uh, he built this, uh, and you can see some of the different things around here, uh, but it's all on Mount Moriah. So that's the same Mount Moriah uh, as Abraham and Isaac. It's the same spot. Uh, so they built it right there, uh, and, and you can see how, how he made it much bigger. Right in the same exact spot, he built all of these things, doubled it in size, and this is what it would look. This is what it would have looked like. So, uh, at the time of Christ, it would have looked like this. And uh, so, these walls right here on this western side is a hundred feet, a hundred feet tall. Uh, and you see just kind of how huge it is. And this spot right here, if I can get out of the way, this right here is what's called Solomon's porch. So if you, in the book of Acts, when it talks about that, uh, these columns were 40 feet high. So you go 100 feet, you go 40 feet, this was huge. This was a massive, huge area, and on the very inside uh, is where you actually have the temple. So he built this thing, uh, just this grand area. You would have went in through some of these large gates, and then there's just this large open area. That's the court of the Gentiles. That's where anybody could have gone uh, in this bigger area. Now, we're not talking about the center part, but this large open area. Anyone could have gone in this area and all around uh, in that spot. And then, uh, it's kind of hard to see, but on the far side, you can kind of see this little court right here. The Jewish women could go in this court. They could go even further. And then the Jewish men could go in this area around it then the priest, and then only the high priest. So does that make sense? But a huge area. I mean, you could have fit, you could fit tons of people inside of here. Uh, so this, this large area, again, was a place where people could assemble, whether you were Jew or Gentile. It was supposed to be a place of prayer and everything else. And here you can see they made a, a, a huge model of what it looked like. But this is kind of the same, pretty much the same direction. You would have seen... In the time of Jesus, you'd have seen these homes and these different things. That arch, and that arch is the was the largest one in the world at the time, a freestanding arch. And then you could go in there, again, that's Solomon's porch up there. The back side is the Antonian Fortress. So that's where, uh, remember they took Paul, remember they seized him, they took him into the castle. That's it, right there. So these, uh, but this porch area, that Solomon's porch, uh, is where it talks about Jesus in John 10 from the porch in verse 30. He was teaching them and he said, I and my father are one. So he was teaching them different things, but he said, I'm God. You know, he was plainly telling them uh, that there's no difference between me and God. I am God. Uh, and they picked up stones to stone him right from there. He was right in there. They, they ran him out of there. Uh, and then later on after Jesus uh, Peter on the gate beautiful, and I don't have it marked here, but uh, at the gate beautiful, right after that, they went to Solomon's porch, and you can see here's another view of it from the different side, but you can see how huge it is. Uh, he's preaching Jesus Christ to them after the death of Ananias and Sapphira uh, and in Acts 5, and it says, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. So the early church even met in this part 
uh, of the temple. They met together, they prayed together, obviously before a lot of the persecution started. And then a lot of times they would meet and teach on these steps as well, these southern steps. So you can see uh, uh, this area, you can see how, try to get a feel for how huge it is. I mean, it was a massive building, just huge. And, and Herod doing it, I mean, again, he, he built these huge fortresses and different things so people would see how great he is. You know, he built aqueducts to carry the water and he built this, uh, you know, part of it to get some favor with the Jews, but also to just... Uh, just for pride and everything else. So Jesus one time, if you remember when he was teaching on the widow's mite, remember she threw the two mites into the treasury uh, and then the rich ones threw their money in and he gave that lesson of saying, hey, she gave all that she had, which was more. Uh, so right after that happened in the temple, Jesus was taking his disciples to the Mount of Olives. So here's the temple. Here's what we looked at. And then right next to the temple, it goes downhill really quickly, the Kidron Valley, and then right up another mount. So you've got a mountain, a valley, and another mountain. There's the Garden of Gethsemane. So he was teaching, and what we read in Mark 13, he's teaching on the Mount of Olives. And remember, they had just talked about the temple, so they could see it this way. I mean, you could see it very clearly from the Mount of Olives. And, and what happened is, is they were... The disciples on the way out of the temple in verse 1 again of Mark 13. As he went out of the temple, one of the disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. So he's they are saying, hey, look at the splendor. Look at this temple. Look at all the columns. Look at every everything that's huge in it. And they, uh, they've done some. Uh, you know, kind of archaeological studies under it and kind of in it. Uh, and at one spot, they found a stone that's 41 feet long and 11 and a half feet wide. And that's the part they can see. They're not quite sure how deep it is, but they're guessing it's about 500 tons. So you think, how did they get that there? How did they put it right in place? Uh, and the stones under that are lined up perfectly where they've got like a little groove and a notch and everything else and just you know, just straight and level. Uh, and, and so they, you would have looked at this and you have seen it and said, man, look at the splendor. Look at, look at everything that went into it. Look at the beauty of it. Look at how huge it is. That's what the disciples were telling Jesus. Have you, have you seen this? Have you seen how great it is? It's our, you know, kind of our national treasure. Uh, so that temple was built on top of it, including all of these columns and, and everything else. And again, I think I said those columns are 40 feet the ones on top of the wall were 40 feet high. So all of these things are built on top of it. And you think about this. If this was near here, not only was this a religious place where the Jews would go, this is a place where anyone would go. This would be a tourist attraction. You know, people would come from all over to see it in its splendor, whether they were Jewish or not, whether they believed in the Lord or anything else. But they, 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 it was a place that people would have seen and went to. And the disciples are pointing it out. But remember, G Jesus is saying, he answers them. So here's what it would look like kind of from the Mount of Olives. You've seen it kind of in this direction. Uh, Jesus said in verse 2, and Jesus answering said unto them, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple. So uh, there's Jesus, uh, and he would have gotten a real good picture of it. They're looking at it from the Mount of Olives. And remember, the disciples in verse 1, they're telling Jesus what they could see. 
right? They're telling Jesus, hey, look at this. We'll look at the verse again. They're saying, uh, master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. So verse one, they're saying, hey, look at what we can see. But then Jesus says, and he says, seest thou these great buildings? And then then proceeds to tell them how it won't be standing anymore at at some point. So what I see uh, is a big difference. And we see this in the Bible over and over again. See, there's one thing is what men see, right? Men were looking at it and seeing its splendor and everything else. You know why? They were looking at at the present time with what their eyes could see. You know, that's the easiest, right? I, I, I can look at something and I can describe it and say, that's what I see. That's what's there. That's what's real. And see, Jesus was looking at the exact same thing. And he was telling them something different. Not a single stone is going to be left on top of the other one, right? He's telling them this. And and remember, they're on the Mount of Olives. They're looking across the valley to the other mount. They're looking down on it like this. And he's saying to them, this will be gone. That's hard to believe, isn't it? It's almost impossible. They're bragging on it. It took took Herod 46 years to build this. And he really wanted to build more. He was still building, but he, he... He died uh, and stopped. But you look at how long, how much money, how much effort went into this. And Jesus is saying that it's not going to be there. And I'm telling you, we uh, men focus on their physical eyes, but God does not. He can see into the future. He is not focused on the here and now like we are. He can see into the future. And that's what Jesus was telling them. Even though it was so almost off, uh, almost impossible to believe it, you know, this is their prized possession. This is their greatest treasure. Everyone would come to see it. And he's saying everything is going to be gone. But here's the thing. There were some, I believe, that were with them that were alive about 40 years later in 70 AD when the Roman general, he would become emperor later, Titus, surrounded the city of Jerusalem with his army. And eventually broke through the walls and destroyed the city, leveled it. And he destroyed the temple as well. Not only that, like I said, it had been destroyed before, but this time he totally demolished it. And if you look now, this is what you see from the Mount of Olives today. This is what it looks like. Here is that wall. Right? He said everything that's sitting on top of this is going to get thrown down. Every bit of it's going to be gone. And we look here today. Where's Solomon's porch? It's gone. Right? Where's the fortune? It's gone. Where's all of the all of the stuff that we saw all the way around it? Where's all the columns? It's all gone. There's nothing left. In fact, the what is standing on it now, that's the Muslims. They built this shrine and they have a mosque. That's what's built on top of it. So when Jesus was looking, they, men were looking at it and saying, hey, there's no, look at how beautiful it is. Look at how amazing it is. Look at, look at all these things. Uh, and, and they're looking, look at the beauty of the buildings. And Jesus is saying, not one stone will be left on top of another one. So here you can see and you can see what's going on and what's happened. But let me read verse 2 again. Jesus answering saith unto them, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not 
be thrown down. We could go here today. You could travel to the wall. And you know what you can see? You're looking at this and saying, Mike, this is not very impressive. Right? Have you seen a pile of rocks before? Not really impressive. Now what if I were to tell you they found several rocks in here. One of the rocks was at one of the corners where they would stand and blow the trumpet and it had an inscription basically of this is where the trumpeter stands. They found that rock. They found another rock that was, remember I talked about the court of the Gentiles? You gotta go way back. The court of the Gentiles, all this big area, well you can almost see it. But right here, there were all kinds of rocks that had a warning. It says, basically, if you're a Gentile, don't go any further. They found a rock like that in the pot. You know why they found these rocks? Because Jesus said, later, every single stone would get thrown off of this thing. All of them. So you could go there today, and you could see this. And what is this? This is a fulfillment of prophecy, right? Jesus is saying, hey, it's going to be gone. You look at it now. It does not look like this, right? All of this part is gone. This is gone. This is gone. This is gone. That's gone. It's all gone. In a mosque, and a shrine, that dome of the rock is in its place. And here's the pile of rocks right here. Here's, here's one of them. Now they cleaned up some of them, but you can find uh, different ones where it's right there. Jesus said that every stone would be thrown down, and that is what happened. See, here's the thing. You can go to Jerusalem, and you can go see the empty tomb, right? And people, that I would be excited to go there. But you know what someone will tell you? How do you know that's the tomb that Jesus was really buried in. They'll just say, well, they could have picked anyone. It's been a long time. And they'll say, this is the one. And it would be hard to prove, right? You can't disprove this. This was what it was. And they tossed it over the side. Remember, a hundred feet. What happens when you throw rocks that are this big, a hundred feet? It looks like this. And they found the inscription and everything else. Because Jesus said, that's what would happen. So the warnings that were in place for the Gentiles and, and everything else. I believe you start to look at this and you see. I, I can't think of a, a greater sign of fulfilled prophecy than something like this. It's right here. Jesus said it would happen. But you know what? When the, the disciples were there with Jesus, they were looking at it and they were asking him, tell us when these things shall be and what the sign of when these things shall be fulfilled. You know, they were asking him, saying, Lord, you're saying that every stone is going to be thrown over, right? This thing's going to be leveled. It's hard for us to believe. So what was their question? When? When's it going to happen, Lord? And before he answers when, in verse 5, Jesus answering them began to say this, so before any other warning, you know, we go to Matthew 24 or here in Mark 13 or in Luke, either place when we look at these parallel passages, uh, there's a warning and he's beginning to answer. And, you know, he'll answer the question of the end of times and when he returns and when the temple will fall down. But before any of that, he says, take heed, lest any man deceive you. And I think that's our biggest piece of advice in these last days, in these perilous times, whatever you want to call it. 
is that, hey, people will try to convince you that Jesus is not real. They'll try to convince you that the Bible is not real. They'll try to convince you of all types of different things. But the more you get into God's word, the more you study it, the more you look at what God said would happen and has happened. Listen, uh, this entire city should be leveled because of all the bombs and the rockets and the armies everyone wants to take it over everyone wants to level Jerusalem but it's still there right everyone wants to end Israel as a nation it's still there why because God said it would be it's not going anywhere. And in fact, when you look further, uh, you can go at the end of the book is Ezekiel and you can see there's going to be another temple. There will be another one. This will be rebuilt because at the end they will be doing sacrifices and different things again uh, in this temple there uh, at the end of this earth. Uh, so we know it's going to be rebuilt. And, and hey, here's another thing. If we're looking at it today, we're saying, hey, there's going to be another temple there. Wait a second. How can that happen? What about this? You'd have to get this out of the way. That's never going to happen. What did the disciples say? You see these stones? You see these buildings? You see how beautiful they are? And Jesus said they're falling over. We could look right here and say, there's no way there's going to be another temple there. And Jesus said, oh yeah, there will be. You know why? Because he's not looking at this present day like we are. He's not looking at the present time that we are. And in fact, we could not only talk about the temple this way, we could talk about our own lives. And whatever our problem is, we look at it at the same lens the disciples were, the here and now. Uh, here's what's going on. Here's what's concrete. Here's what I can see. And the Lord does not look at it that way. Aren't you glad that he can see the future? And aren't you glad that even in the past, see, uh, uh, soon after this in the Mount of Olives, that was Wednesday that he taught that. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we know what happens later. Uh, he is going to, uh, he is going to be crucified. Uh, you can see up there, uh, they're Golgotha over there. They're going to take him to the fortress. Uh, I ran through that a different day, but they, they kind of take him around different places through the night. He has his trial. He goes before Pilate. He's taken to Calvary and he dies on the cross for the sins of the world. He knew that was going to happen in just a few days. He was trying to show them that, hey, the way it looks now is not the way it's going to be. And aren't you glad that he had uh, Jesus Christ before we were yet sinners? The Bible says that Christ died for us before we knew that we needed him. He died on the cross for our sins. And you think about this whole area and how uh, how it's the center of so many things of conflict and, and, and religion and everything else. Yet the Lord is coming back. And where is he going to step? He's going to step on the Mount of Olives. He's going to travel back. He's going to sit on David's throne in the rebuilt temple. It seems hard to believe, but Jesus said it's going to happen. But guess what? That same Jesus who died for your sins was buried and again, we can argue where, you know, whether the place that they take people is the right place or not is still the same one. You could argue it, but I'll tell you, wherever that tomb was that he was placed, he only stayed there for three days. And then on that Easter morning, that Sunday morning before it was yet dawn, the Bible says the earthquakes, uh, the angel rolled the stone away, not so Jesus could get out, but we could look in. The body was gone, not because they stole it, uh, because it was there. Uh, it, it was almost as if he left it 
it and everything collapsed. The napkin that was around his face is folded. And there they peeked inside and they thought, where'd the body go? What happened to Jesus? Tell me where you've taken him. They were so confused. And they said, I love it when the angel said, he's not here because he's risen. Just as he said, he told you he was going to die. He told you he was going to raise from the dead. And sure enough, later that day, he starts appearing to people. And there they see that Jesus isn't dead. He is alive. And that's what, that's what blesses me. As we get through this Bible and as we look at different things that have happened, we can see and try to visualize Jesus going into the temple and doing different things. But I'll tell you what, as splendor, as much splendor as the temple was and everything else, I can't wait to see the temple that's in heaven, the new Jerusalem that's coming down, the perfect one. We won't need a sacrifice anymore because Jesus will be there. And I, I, I'm telling you, uh, God's word is amazing. And you think about, we put so much stake in things and buildings and, and stuff and everything else. But aren't you glad we're laying up treasures in heaven? And he says, be not deceived. Because there is a devil that's trying to deceive you into thinking uh, that all of these things are a joke. All these things are made up. It's fairy tales. And I'll tell you, no, it's not fairy tales. It wasn't an accident that Titus came through and destroyed everything. That wasn't his original intent. But, you know, historians would say, well, things kind of just happened. No, that was what God had in mind. And now we can see a pile of stones. That used to be the splendor and glory. Guess what? God does not need an evil dictator of a man like Herod to build a place for him. He can build it himself. But if you want to see the new Jerusalem, if you want to see heaven, you only do that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm glad at nine years old I grew up in church. I knew the Sunday school uh, lessons. I knew the stories. I knew the hymns and everything else. But one night, the same old message hit differently. And on the way home, I realized I was a sinner that night, that Sunday night. And when we got home, I was talking to mom on the way home. And when we got there, I prayed in our living room in Ashley and asked Jesus to forgive me of my sin. It wasn't a long prayer, but I knew I was a sinner and I knew if I died that night without Jesus, I'd go to hell. But I also knew that he died for my sins and I called on his name for forgiveness. And he has been with me these 30 years later. I'm telling you what, when the Bible says be not deceived, we've got to get in God's word. That's why you, you hear me so often say we've got to get in the word, we've got to get in it. Why? Because before Jesus talked about wars and rumors of wars, before he talked about earthquakes in diverse places, before he talked about all those different things, he said, be not be deceived. And if you go down through, whether you're in Mark or Matthew or Luke, either of the passages, you will see him talking about deception over and over again. Why? Because that's the biggest danger. It's not the earthquake. It's the deception. And you've heard me say the best way to combat deception is with the truth. It's right here. So we're going to open up the altar tonight. Like I said, I know it's a little different, but I was hoping maybe we could get some pictures in our head. So when you're going through God's word, you can get, you can visualize when Jesus was walking through here or when Solomon built it or whatever. But greater than the, I remember the Bible there in Hebrews, it's, uh, there was a greater than Solomon, and that's Jesus Christ. There's a greater than the temple, that's Jesus.